Welcome, everybody. I'm Chris Miller, author of the number one best-selling book, Ready for Pre-Tirement, Three Secrets for Safe Money and a Fabulous Future. And I'm so honored to be the host of this show, Ready, Set, Retire. Do you lay awake at night wondering if you're going to have enough money to pay the bills, let alone retire? Well, in this show, your vision will be transformed, and I will show you how to have safe money and a fabulous future. I've counseled thousands of individuals, businesses, and families over the past 20-plus years, and I'm proud to say I've never lost $1 of my clients' money. So I will share those secrets that I've learned over the two decades that only a few rich have known. And actually, these have been around for centuries. What I do is I invite a lot of great guests who are going to share with you tips and techniques that you're going to need to be ready for pre-retirement. And today, my guest is Andy Tanner, and he's a renowned paper asset expert and successful business owner, and his, his ability to teach key techniques for stock options investing, he serves as a coach to the Rich Dad Stock Success System trainers and as the Rich Dad Advisor for Paper Assets. So today I'm really happy to have my guest, Andy. I'm so glad to have you here. I appreciate the chance to be with you. You have a great book, which has actually been talked a lot about in the news, the 401Ks and and all the how, how our dream of retirement became a nightmare of chaos. And a lot of people are living in that. And don't be fooled by today's little bubble in the stock market. <laughs> you know, a lot of people, I can't believe how fast, when it looks so good, they forget that they just lost half their money, right? Yeah, it's, it's quite emotional, isn't it? It's something else. <laughs> there's, a lot, there's a lot of emotion into it. But what, what was it that made you write this book? Well, um, I... I my background is a little different than what people might expect. I don't come from Wall Street. Uh, my uh, my college experience is more about playing basketball than I was studying, right. and so I don't have a finance degree or, or anything in that uh, that area. I just uh, was investing like most people, uh, probably most of the people that are listening now. And in the year 2000, when the uh, dot com bubble burst and everything came tumbling down. I thought, gee, you know, I, I thought I'd done everything that I'd been taught to do. I diversified. I had these. It just seems like a, a quite a loss and quite a setback for uh, for that for for uh, for that time. And so I began to do some research on my own. Began to get educated. Began to read. Began to take classes. And the more I I uh, learned, the more amazed I was. At, uh, at the whole retirement system, the, the 401k system, where it came from, how it evolved. I was, I was taken back by how 401ks came to be. And I thought, I can't believe that people don't know about this. I can't believe that they're participating in something they, they – because uh, I certainly didn't know anything about it. And so that was really the, the biggest reason I wanted to write the book is I've spent many, many years now studying this and studying investing – and I think, boy, it's such an important part of, of everyone's life uh, that they should learn a little bit more about where 401ks came from, how they were developed, and I think they'd be surprised as well. Maybe they can make some better decisions if they learn a little. 
So that's, right. that's how it came about. Right. Well, you know, that's the same reason that I wrote my book, Ready for Pretirement. After 20 years of, you know, I'm a financial planner, of seeing everybody has no clue. They start retirement planning at 70, and, you know, they've missed all the opportunities. <laughs> and you really can't blame people because they were never taught. You know, we're all right. go to school and you learn how to make money, but you don't know where to store the money, and then you're like a victim to whatever you know, financial planner you run into. And that model, all the financial models are really set up to risk your money and and they don't really tell you about all the things that are there that are actu- actually could protect your money. But I think the 401k is is a really big thing. It's been in the news a lot about yeah. how min- how how horrible they they really are for for the people. And uh, the the fees and and like you talk about it the time bomb, you know, it's a time bomb ticking. So what what could you tell everybody about the, these time bombs of the 401Ks and what you've learned about the, all the fees and everything sure. that's built into those? Sure. Well, first, I, I like your idea that it's not people's fault because you're, you're right. People, this isn't something you learn about in school. You know, I went to school, learned how to read and uh, learn a little, haven't learned how to spell yet, still working on that one, to learn a little bit of math yeah. and some history, but you're exactly right. Uh, people get thrown out there, and uh, and they, you hit it right on the head. And I also love that word pre-retirement, uh, the idea that there's some thought process to go into this before it happens, that perhaps this is not an event, but perhaps it's a process. And uh, maybe it's not a day on the calendar like your birthday, but uh, a status that we attain. And so uh, I guess the best way to, to help people understand some of the problems is to go back to the beginning, if that's okay. Uh, one of the things that, that really blew me away, Chris, is how, how this came. And maybe we start back with, uh, with a story about the American Express Company. And they, uh, back in 1875, so we're going way back. <laughs> okay. And in 1875, they offered the, the, the first pension. They invented the first pension. And, and that's the first key, I think, to becoming educated about what a retirement system is, is to understand what the first pensions were. And these evolved into what was called a defined benefit pension. And what astounds me is I get a chance to travel, you know, many, many places, meeting thousands of people. And I'll often pull an audience and say, how many of you know the difference between a defined pension and a contribution pension? Well, you know, Chris, that a defined pension is is where a, a, a company that we work for says, hey, when you hit a certain age, we're going to continue to pay you, even though you don't work here anymore. It's, it's part of the program we have for you to be a good employee while you're here. And when you, uh, when you leave this job, we're going to continue to give a defined amount of money to you. Well, what's interesting is, is that doesn't affect a person's assets, and it doesn't reduce a person's liabilities. It, uh, it affects their cash flow. It affects their income, and it produces what I call new money each month. A person didn't need to know how to save. A person didn't need to know how to invest. And so in that light, the school system did a great job. Prepare people for the workforce get them a really good job, get them a good degree, get them a high-paying job with a good pension, and there really wasn't a need for financial education if that's what a person wanted to do. Well, in the 60s, uh, the the Studer Baker Company, they made cars, 
you probably remember those. They're a lot of fun. <laughs> yeah. Uh, they went they went out of business, and yeah. all of these people, depending on these pensions, uh, complained to the government. They complained to President Kennedy and said, "Hey, you know, we worked all this time, and this company's out of out of uh, business now. Where's our pensions going to go?" Right. And so uh, legislation was put out, and we had the, the law in 1974 called ERISA. And then in 1978 is when things changed, and that's what I'd focus on, is uh, there was a change in the IRS tax code called 401k. It's actually not a retirement plan. It's a section in the tax code. And there was an attorney in 1980, two years after this change in the tax code, named Ted Benham. And Ted was, he's a tax attorney, and he was working with a bank, one of his clients. And he looked at this tax law, 401k, and he said, you know, if we position this and use this in a certain way, we could actually shift the burden of all this money going to be paid out in retirement. A lot of this we could shift to the worker instead of us having this liability as a company. And the bank said, well, has anyone done this before? He said, nope, I think I'm the first attorney that would use it this way. They said, well, we don't want to do it. We're scared. <laughs> and right. so uh, Ted went to his own law firm. And he said, hey, why don't we try this? And they said, hey, it sounds good. And that was the birth of the 401k retirement plan. And what it does, and what I think everyone listening really needs to, to understand first, is it shifts the burden of retirement from a company that you worked for have to write those checks until you die to to you and it became a savings issue rather than an open-ended cash flow issue and and that's where the bubble begins now because now it does have to do with the asset column a a a pension that never had nothing to do with having assets you, you got the check from your company you never had to learn to buy any assets for yourself Right. But see, now we have a race, and we have to – they've turned it into a, a savings issue rather than a cash flow generation issue. And now these poor people, you know, everyone listening, they're having to work and work and work and work and work and having to gamble this money in the stock market of all places, hoping that they can outsave inflation, hoping they can outsave taxation or outinvest taxation. right. right. And, uh, and people did not learn in school, as you mentioned. It's not their fault. They did not learn in school how to build an asset column that produces new money. Uh, most of these assets are capital gains. So that's kind of a long-winded beginning. Yeah. Right. But, uh, but that's, that's really the big change is that this, the, the first epiphany I have is the 401k. There was never a think tank. There was never a brain trust that got together and said, hey, here's a great idea for retirement. This was a mistake. Uh, this was not intended, and it was a law that was used and gone awry that saves corporations hundreds of billions of dollars and shifts that burden to you and I. Right, right. And, and how few people know that. What's so fascinating is that they take the money that people invest, which they usually put it at risk, and they're already paid up by, you know, the companies are investing in stocks, which they have a friendly relationship with those companies. So they get a, pay, a kickback. <laughs> That's for well stock, said, Chris. <laughs> and, then, and then they throw them in, in the stock, and uh, they're not paying attention to when it goes up and, you know, where it is. And, uh, and the employees sure aren't paying attention. In fact, I don't know how many uh, clients I've had, I would say, where's your 401k located? And they'll go, oh, it's with a company. I go, where in the company? They have no idea that it's invested 
and and all that risk. So, well, um, what I like about your book is that it suggests that investing shouldn't be at arm's length like that. That it's okay right. for you and I to get our hands dirty and and to get involved with the uh, the fun of investing rather than keeping it at arm's length, like you mentioned. Exactly, and what you know, what I'm trying to do and I can sense that you're trying helping to do that too is to empower people to take control of their own finances don't rely on the government or don't think your financial planner is sitting there watching your assets every day you know because yep. they're not and you're not going to be able to rely on the government you're going to have to have your own plans in place but what what do you think um and I, I don't really know the, the, the details of what these fees, because I've been reading a lot about the fees right. of 401ks. What, what, right. these, what, what's up with that? Well, the, there is of late, uh, not a great job. Um, but the, the, the fees are, you know, one of the main reasons I titled my book 401 Chaos, because these are so hard for people to understand. There's, you know, there's 12B1 fees that they take out for advertising. That'd be like the grocery store charging you an extra amount of money to advertise to other people to come in and buy the milk that you're buying. I mean, there's just all kinds of, there's, there's sales loads, there's expense ratios, there's management fees, there's, there, I mean, the, the list of fees, and I, I have a chapter in my book that goes through it, goes beyond uh, this conversation, but the, the biggest lesson of all the fees is simply this. If I, if I put money in a bank, I'm supposed to earn interest. If I put money in a 401k, I pay fees. That's a huge difference. Mm-hmm. Right. And, and what happens is the, the, best, the best authority on, the, on this, I think, is, is uh, the founder of Vanguard Funds, uh, John Bogle, where he speaks about uh, something he calls the tyranny of compounding costs. And what people don't realize is, let's say in your mind you have a fee of 2%. Well, if you compound money in the stock market, let's say it gives you 8% over you know, 60 years from age 20 to, to where we pass away, you know, that's a huge compounding effect of 8%. But if you pull 2%, 2.5% out of fees, you're only compounding at 6 And the difference uh, over that amount of time is uh, it's a six-figure difference. I mean, they can literally take a majority of your profits, actually, a majority of your growth through these fees, the way they're structured. So it's certainly a, a, a complex conversation, and they do it that way on purpose. But what I like that you said, Chris, is you said that you, you, you used a very light word. <laughs> you said, well, these people are all friends, and uh, all these people on Wall Street and Washington are friends. Yeah, I'd say they're bedfellows. <laughs> I'd say yeah. they formed uh, They've been friends for a long time, but I'm not sure they've ever formed quite the cartel they have today. And I like what you said about people who are oblivious to this idea, and uh, they'll take your money. You know, maybe a way we could say it to to uh, anyone listening is this: is if I were to, if we were to play the prices right, and I said, how much do you pay for a gallon of gas? And they say, well, you know, three four dollars. And I say, how much for movie tickets? Uh, seven or eight dollars, you know, popcorn, thirty bucks or whatever. Right. But if I were to ask someone what they actually pay for financial advice, most people come up short. They cannot list how much they pay. That's a clue, I think. And then on the other side of that, that's an interesting conversation. I'd like to hear your take on this, Chris. 
is the idea of charging people based on percentage rather than flat rate. For example, let's say that I have $10,000, and Chris, let's say that you have $100,000, and we're going to both invest them into the same fund. Well, if they're going to charge me uh, 1%, then they're charging me 100 bucks. But if they're going to charge you 1%, they're charging you $1,000 to do the exact same work for you Right. That they're doing for me, and you're the one that gave more money. So when I go get my hair cut, can I imagine going up to the counter after she's, she's my hairdresser, she's cut my hair, and I say, how much will that be? And she says, well, what's your net worth? <laughs> exactly. I'll just take a percentage. Exactly. I'll just take a percentage. Thank you. And I, I'd like to hear your comments on that. Oh well, that you, yeah, you hit a good spot for me because when I first started, I was, I used to volunteer at the senior center. I used to help. I'm a paralegal. I used to help wills, people make their wills and trusts. And uh-huh. I learned about the living trust. And back, you know, 22 years ago, they were charging, you know, five to $10,000 for the trust. So the little right. widow comes in there, and all she has is a house. And the, and the attorney would just, you know, and that's exactly what they would do, the few that I had worked for. They would look at the person's uh, estate, and they would charge them accordingly. I hated that. It was yeah. so unfair. And so Same what word. I did was I vowed to do to be an opposite. And what I wanted to do was break the market. So what I did was, I, on, on purpose, not only make a living, I decided I wanted to help people. It was a little more passionate for me than just make money, make money. So what I did was back then I did living trust for $199. And um, the same trust that they were charging 5000 to 10000 And um, basically it started doing workshops and we broke the market. In fact, we broke the market so good I can hardly raise my price. <laughs> but in, you know, in 20, 22 years, I only charge five seventy five now for a trust. But the point That's amazing. That it is amazing. The same trust you buy it for five thousand. And so then what we did was like, this is not fair. I started, you know, I'm a national speaker. I started traveling the country and saying, you know what? People don't have a clue. They're going to work their whole life and end up losing it in probate. So we've made yeah. software so that pre-boomers and boomers can make their own living trust, and then if they have tax issues, they can go to their CPA or attorney and have it reviewed, which will save them thousands of dollars. That's, you know, that's been my goal. That's, you, know, you struck the chord with me by saying that, which is to get it out there for everybody as an affordable thing instead of, well, you've got a million dollars, then I'll charge you, you know, 5000 whatever, you know. So well, there's, that's the there's point. Some- there's something else that you said that I think bears, bears a focus and, and expansion on our conversation is, you know, you, you mentioned that people, this is kind of out of sight, it's out of mind, they might check their statement in their 401k once a quarter. And I don't know that I'm, I'm trying to motivate people to, uh, you know, to, to wake up and, and get involved and all that type of thing. I think that's tough to do. But, but for those that do care, uh, you know, they're the ones that I really want to speak to. I don't know that you can get people to care about money. I, I feel badly that our school system doesn't bring it to the fore. Uh, I had to learn to dissect a frog, and certainly that's an interesting uh, exercise, but it's not something I use every day. Um, had I been a veterinarian, I'm sure it would have been more valuable than, than as an investor. But wouldn't you like to see more? I mean, uh, I, I, this is the question I'd ask you. A lot of people think this is a legislative issue, that if we get the right set of laws and, and the people are protected. I don't know if I agree with that, Chris. I think this is an education issue 
that, that the problem people have is that they don't know how to invest. I don't know that it's a 401k or if they're in the right trust or, or not. I just don't think that, that people are educated enough, and, and so they fall victim to these very attorneys that you mentioned and, or the financial planners that you mentioned. Right. And I'd like to, I'm curious to hear your thoughts on, you know, do we solve this with legislation or do we solve this with education or, or maybe a combination of both? Well, I'm, you know, I, I agree with you in that I really don't think it's legislative. I think it's education. And, you know, that's why I'm out there, you know, push, beyond mm-hmm. the media, I'm pushing the book and getting people to be aware, or like you said, the ones that want to be aware. But right. the education, the things like that I talk about, are actually things that have been withheld for centuries. Imagine a product, if you knew about this, between age 34 and 54, that you could get a, an investment project product that pays you 6 to 9%. And just say you add, you know, a couple hundred, five hundred dollars a month, and in 20 years you can access this money totally tax-free. Now, would you like something like that? You know, that if people learned about insurance, uh, to me that's what you've described. Is and then uh, universal life insurance policy. That's, a, that's what it sounds to me like you just described. Right. It's an overfunded life insurance policy, um, index universal life insurance policy, where you can take right. that money tax-free. And in this economy, you know, this is what we need is tax-free vehicles. You never <laughs> lose your principal. There's no yeah. risk. Now, why wouldn't people know about those or the equity well, index annuities? Because the broker makes more money moving your money than making you money. Well, and you're right about taxes because, you know, when we look at uh, – when we look at the fiscal uh, situation in our country, uh, we're certainly going to need more revenues <laughs> before yeah. things are pointed. And I right. think that uh, that might be the spur. That might be one of the spurs people need. I, I, you know, I'm concerned that it's in terms of retirement that this is going to be a, a tsunami that hits people unawares. And don't you feel, you know, you travel a lot, I travel a lot, and when you and I speak to people, it puts them in a weird situation because people like you and I, Chris, we're either Chicken Little or we're Paul Revere. And, right. uh, and it really is true, isn't it? And it puts people in an interesting situation because they'll listen to Chris, they'll listen to Andy, and they'll say, well, you know, these guys are saying the sky is falling, taxes are going up, you know, I need to learn about this. Or are the Redcoats really coming? <laughs> you know, is it really time? And so, uh, like I say, you can't force anyone to, to – uh, to, to become passionate about things they're not passionate about, but I, I sure hope that the work that you do and, uh, and the people you speak to, I hope it's your Paul Revere. <laughs> and oh, I, 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 think, I think these I warnings... Think you, caught, you cut out on me. There was, I didn't hear what you said. Something well, I think, you're Paul, I think you're Paul Revere. Oh, <laughs> I don't hey. think you're Chicken Little. <laughs> and I, I hope people listen. Thank you. Well, I do too because... You know, the problem is that the kids are really going to have it rough. And I know yeah. in my own life, I didn't change just because I was so good and I wanted to change. It took catastrophic things for me to make a move. And I'm a person that is reaching. So people that aren't even reaching, well, there's so many tsunamis or cliffs that are coming, like in, in I think it's 2016, when this massive amount of boomers go reach into Medicare. 
it's going to it's going to crash and then there's another one and there's another one and they're just going to keep coming for at least 10 years that's what all the money gurus say so i don't know how many how many times people have to lose half of what they have or have everything go upside down till they start to learn or start to make a move or start to get educated so i i think your listeners uh, would do well to really focus on on this idea that you put forth. I have a saying that that I use that's similar. I say people say, Andy, how do you tell the future? How do you know it's coming? I say it's pretty easy. You take two things: policy, in other words, what is the policy of a government, and demographics. And if you add those two together, that's going to give you the future. That's what you just did. You said, well, here we have a policy of Medicare, and we have a demographic of 78 million people, and you know, in 2016, this happens. Along those same lines, I don't know if you've ever thought about this. I'd be curious to get your take on this. But the stock market is based on supply and demand, correct? Right. So if, someone, if someone's going to buy my stock from me and I'm going to make money on it, they're going to have to pay more than, than I did for it, and hopefully a lot more over the years. So I'm really counting on people in the future being willing to pay more for this stock you know, for these mutual funds, stocks than I did. Well, think about this. You mentioned Medicare and the people, uh, you know, it's very much an off-balance sheet issue. You've hit it right on the head. We have a, a huge unfunded liability with Medicare. Well, so let's take that same concept you just mentioned, taking the demographics, 78 million people, and seeing what a policy does to that. Let's look beyond Medicare. You, you're, you get, you, you're eligible for Social Security first, and then you're eligible for Medicare later. Let's, I'd like you to take on this one. You're aware of mandatory distributions. So we put money in a 401k to avoid an ordinary income tax, and, uh, and we keep it there. Well, at age 70 and a half, there's a mandate. Now, Obamacare is a mandate. People are upset of being about forced to buy things, mandatory. Well, there's a mandate that forces you to sell things. And if you have 78 million people, Chris, that are going to be forced to begin taking distributions at age 70 and a half so they can pay that ordinary income tax that they deferred when they put the money in, here's my question. When you have 78 million people having to sell at the same time, who did you have in mind to buy all that stock? Well, I don't know that it can be the the younger generation because they don't have any money. (laughs) The, the older generation earned money and saved it. Baby boomers earned money and spent it. The younger people have spent all their money in debt, and now they're trying to figure out how to earn it. Right. China won't buy it, because why would they? Right. Uh, I certainly wouldn't pay top dollar for a baby boomer's mutual fund if he's being forced to sell. Does that make sense? That the idea that we have a mandate that forces people to begin taking distributions at 70 and a half, well, if you're being forced to put the sell button... Who's going to push the buy button to keep those stocks elevated if the market works on supply and demand? Does that make sense? Right. Yeah, Andy, that's so I'd li- great. I'd like your, that's great. That's a great point. I, I'd like your take on that. Who is going to buy all of this stock when 78 million people are pushing the sell button at the same time? 
that's that's the, that's another one of those fiscal cliffs and because people aren't educated that there are ways that they don't have to take the 70 the mandatory at 70 and a half take that distribution so the government can get their taxes and then you're retired so you're going to actually be paying more in taxes so you lost any gains if you had any in your 401k but there's actually ways you can do what they call a stretch IRA where you could actually have your great grandkids take out the dis- the their minimum distribution you could stretch it through your gen- a couple generations you know um, the other scary thing about that is as people age there's this idea that we should move from equity to debt so even if they don't sell it because of the mandate just the idea that the debt market is more conservative than equity market it's tough because look where rates are in the equity or in the uh in the debt market right now with what the Fed's doing, it just causes a lot of problems for people that they're not aware of. It really right. does. Right. And and that those what and what those really are 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 huge tax liabilities. I mean and you know, I mean how much so yeah, that that's really a good point, Andy. Of what well you and you make a great point, Chris, with the tax, because when we put money in a four one K we're avoiding an ordinary income tax. Now, the whole idea of having a capital gain tax being lower than ordinary income is because you're risking money in the market. You know, I go to a job, I'm gonna get paid. I put money in the market, I might not only not get paid, I might lose what I have in the first place. So the idea of, of, of a capital gain tax rate being lower than the ordinary income tax rate makes a lot of sense. Well, isn't it crazy that you avoid an ordinary income tax on the way in, put your money in a capital gains risk environment, and yet when you pull that money out of a 401k, you don't get the capital gain rate. You're paying the ordinary income rate. So you're getting the worst tax rate uh, and taking the risk without getting the benefit of a lower capital gain tax. Isn't that something to think about that as well? Something. That's a great point, too. And so have you ever done the math of what actually, how much of a loss it is? It's massive. In fact, I actually, in my book, uh, take people through the whole, uh, I, I have them start with $1,000 in my book. And I pull out, first I pull out the fees from the, <laughs> I pull out the fees from the brokers. We compound this for a long, long time. You like to say buy and hold it till you die, right? right. And, uh, and, and so then after we, you know, turn blue in the face on how much Wall Street takes out, then I actually add what the, uh, what the tax rate takes out. And people are astounded at how little they have over right. years and years. Right. And, so, and they actually, wouldn't they be, actually be better off? Starting Roth IRA and man, managing it themselves. Well, I'll tell you what I think, and I'll throw this out. And I think everyone is different. Uh-huh. Um, you know, if someone's listening right now, they're saying, "Okay, Andy, you know, you're you're throwing all these problems. I don't understand everything you said, but it sounds scary." <laughs> Great, you know, I'm going to get Chris's book and read it. But but what would you do to solve this? And for me. It's not maybe an answer people want to hear because it requires some work, uh, some good old-fashioned study, some energy, some effort. I, I think in this world people want a quick fix. You know, Andy, tell me where to park my money. Can I just buy gold and be okay? You know, right. But but in my mind, I put assets into two broad categories. Uh, the first is an asset that it requires appreciation to make me money, and then the second type of asset 
is an asset that produces what I call new money. So the best way I think to understand this is there's a golden egg, and a golden egg is an asset that must appreciate as the price of gold moves. And that's not something I can control of. But a golden goose, or the goose that lays the egg, is a precious asset to me because it produces new money. And so maybe a real-world example would be this is, you know, I watched a lot of people get eaten up in the subprime meltdown, Chris, flipping houses. And they were out there trying to buy a house low and sell it high. And, you know, the word spec home comes from speculation. And here they took on all this debt, hoping that the price of a house would move and continue moving in an upward direction and, and flip these houses. And when the market turned, and that's not something they get to control, you know, here these people had all these debt and the house didn't appreciate and, uh, and didn't work. So this idea of taking their money they've already earned or borrowing money and buying something that had to appreciate over time, mm-hmm. that's not a lot of control. And yet my real estate is a little different in that I, I have mine set up to where I don't even care what the, uh, what the value of the home is. I care about the cash flow and I focus on high quality renters with background checks, ability to pay. I focus on giving people value to where I can undercut all the rents within a certain square mile area to where something people will need and want. And so I don't have vacancy rates. And I love the idea of having rentals because it provides me with cash flow that's inflation adjusted. As the dollar loses value, I get to charge more rent, just like the gasoline people get to charge more gas. I love having oil, not futures, not oil stocks, but I like the idea of having an oil well that actually produces new money that is inflation adjusted. If the price of oil goes up, that's good news if you have an oil well. I like the idea of paper assets that also produce cash flow, new money being produced rather than appreciation. Well, the problem with those investments, Chris, is that they require a higher level of financial education to manage the risks associated with them. And, and that's, that's really what I try to inspire people to do is to say, you know what, let's not pretend to be investors just because we have a mutual fund. Let's really learn it. Let's be an investor's of investments that give new money. And as a tax person, you're going to know that those assets I just listed, they're among the best tax advantages anywhere uh, in, those, in those investments I just went through. Yeah, well, okay. For those of you that are just joining in, I want to make sure that you know we're, we're, you are listening to Web Talk Radio. And we're having a great discussion with Annie Tanner. The show is called Ready, Set, Retire. And we're, we're talking about things, secrets that you probably don't know about, about your 401 chaos. I like the title of your book, Andy. Andy, that would be a good idea. Why don't you tell everybody where they can get your book? Oh, you can go to Amazon uh, or you can go uh, uh, to 401chaos.com. Um, you know, either one is fine if, uh, if it's something you want to become more educated on. Yeah. Well, it's, it's, it's a great book, and it's talking about things that you should know about your 401K. And anybody that needs to reach out to me, my name is Chris Miller, and I'm the author of the number one best-selling book, Ready for Pre-Tirement, Three Secrets for Safe Money and a Fabulous Future. And you can reach out to me at my website, which is Ready for Pre-Tirement, 
It's R-E-A-D-Y-F-O-R-P-R-E-T-I-R-E-M-E-N-T.com. There's an article about the three myths of financial planning. Because, Andy, what I talk about is, you know, I really would encourage people to get that. You get it, you know, go to the site and get the article. I have a blog with a lot of articles on it. But there is, it's what you're talking about is really complicated. And yeah. the average person to just go out and get a, you know, real estate, that's really advanced. But I, I agree. I know, agree. I take that, steps, and there are things yep. that they can do, even with their little IRA, they can, you know, roll that over into, you know, safe index annuities. Not one person lost one dollar in an annuity in the Great Depression. They can pay you incomes you can't outlive. See, I'm really like safe money, and and I don't like the volatility. But it, you know what you're talking about is great. It's just where, you know, how do people learn that? Where where can they go to to understand that? You know, and that's, that's exactly the issue because these things are complex and they're right. not taught in school. Right. And yet that's, that's where the truly, truly rich, I'd like your take on this. When I sit down with people and I ask them, what's your conversation with your advisors about? You know what it's always about? It's about survival, uh, how much you're going to need instead of abundance. And, uh, and that's what I'm about is I believe the people lived and died uh, for this country for me to learn how to create huge abundance. And, and you're right. This is not taught in school, and it's not risk-free. And so if you want to learn how to really do you know, well in abundance, you're going to have to get some education. Right. Well, what we're doing is we're putting together an online, uh, we call it pre-retirement mastery course. And we're going to have we're going to have a number of different experts, people like you, coming in, and we're going to we're going to focus on each one of these topics about IRAs, 401ks, annuities, living trusts, long-term care insurance. Mm-hmm. And we're going to have a program that people can learn this and not have to take a big long course, so they can understand what's going on in the world right now with the money and know where to store their money or what to do, how to make it, and change their mindset, like you were saying, from scarcity of living on how am I going to make it tomorrow into a little more faith and, and abundant thinking, you know, and, and you know, that's what, that's what I'm, I'm working on, and maybe you'll be that's part great. of that too. So. Well, I think that, that, you know, you hit it on the head when it's about all, edu- all money comes from what you know. Uh, all, all, you know, education is a transformational process. It changes who you are. It takes you from a caterpillar to a butterfly. And, uh, and a lot of people think they have money problems. And I, I tend to disagree. I don't think there are money problems. I think there's just things people haven't learned yet. And uh, if, if a guy like Warren Buffett lost all his money, he'd go out and make it again because of what he knows. If a guy like Donald Trump lost his money, he'd go out and make it again because of what he knows. And I, I like that idea of anywhere. Uh, part of the mission is to transform people's lives to give them f- the financial education they need. And, uh, and that's really the biggest answer I think there is, is to learn more about money. Right. And I li- I'm glad you've got the, you're focusing on the 401k because that's the sort oh, it's of a problem. complicated <laughs> thing that people just, you know. What, what would you say the top, Five reasons 401ks are, are a big ripoff. Um, I would say number one is they suggest that a person can get rich without having to learn anything. 
that you could just park money and everything's rosy. I'd say that's number one. Is is uh, chapter two of my book is called The Ignorance Myth, and I think the suggestion that a person become wealthy without having to learn anything is ludicrous. Uh, number two, I would say, is systemic risk, and we probably should explain that because there's a little vernacular that most people aren't familiar with. If uh, if if British Petroleum uh, breaks a pipe in the Gulf then that's going to affect the company of British Petroleum if they have a, that environmental, where the, the rest of, you know, Apple was still going up, the rest of the system was doing fine. So when one company goes down, that's called a, a non-systemic risk. The ones you, you've been talking about, Chris, are systemic, the idea of a Medicare problem, a fiscal cliff. These types of things affect the entire market. Well, very few people in a 401k realize that they are taking systemic risk. They say, well, I'm diversified. I'm not taking risk. Not true. Diversification only answers this idea of non-systemic risk, one or two companies falling apart. And most of the risks I see in Europe, uh, you know, we see this coming out of Cyprus, in our Federal Reserve, you mentioned fiscal cliff, you mentioned the off-balance sheet commitments. Yeah, these are systemic risks where the entire market goes down. So think of your own 401k. You lost a lot of money in the dot-com bust because it wasn't just Yahoo that went down. All of them went down. You lost a lot of money in the subprime meltdown. About half your retirement evaporated in that two years from 2007 to 2009 because it was a systemic issue. And so I'd say number two on that list of five is that 401ks expose someone to tremendous systemic risk. Number three, we already talked about the fees. So we don't uh, need to revisit that. Number four is I would say that 401ks uh, encourage companies and corporations to go bankrupt. For example, United Airlines, GM, they had all these union promises to where they said, hey, we'll give you these pensions. And the best way to break those promises and switch them over to contribution programs is to declare Chapter 11 bankruptcy which isn't an ending of the company. It's a burning of all the promises they made to their employees. So it very much encourages, um, very, very much encourages bankruptcy. And then I'd say number five is that they aren't working anyway. Uh, 401ks simply don't work. The data shows they're not working. Uh, people are not going to be able to retire with these, with these vehicles by and large. There's a massive yield disparity between rich and poor. And, and so those would be the top five, I'd say. Number one is the idea that you can retire in, in ignorance. Number two would be this uh, idea of systemic risk. Number three would be uh, the fees. Number four is encouraging restructuring of companies. Number five, they don't work. Uh, I've never been asked to give a top five list, but off the top of my head, I could go on. <laughs> yeah, that, no, that's good. that's good. I could go on, but, but I think yeah, that's sure. a good five list. That's a good one. All right. Well, but you only need one. You only need one real good reason, and that's they don't work. Yeah. Right. So, would you tell people to stop contributing to them? No, I no, I wouldn't. Um, I wouldn't. The the problem is not the four hundred one k because if you don't contribute the four hundred one k, you know what are you going to do? You know, I I like the idea of certain. You mentioned I, I've studied a lot about certain insurance products, and I like that for people if they know what they're doing. If they get in, you know, someone annuity and uh, they, their you money, they can't. You, got, you cut out there. I didn't hear you. Well, you know, if you, if you tell someone to go buy a variable annuity, okay. you know, they might not know the difference between a variable annuity and, oh, and no, one that's yeah. not. And, and so, 
So, so I don't think the problem is 401ks. I think uh, you know every individual is different. Their ages are different. Blows me away. I, I don't want to be mean to commentators, but I'll see people watch uh, certain people on CNBC. These people are telling them to sell their house <laughs> oh. <laughs> and get a condo. I'm like, you don't even know this person. They're calling in on the phone, you know. So it's not that simple. And many people don't like my answers because they require effort. You know, they require uh, to do some reading, uh, to take some classes, to do things. I, I've taken, you know, many, many classes on investing, and, and I'm so grateful that I have. I've put in a lot of time and energy to learn what I have. And I think uh, I would not tell people not to contribute to 401k. I think they go from the fire, frying pan into the fire because, again, it's not where you put your money. It's how smart you are. And if, uh, if someone were to try to do the investments I do, I think they'd get crushed because they don't right. have enough a- education right. to know how to you, you're write a cover co- the Right. You're in the college yeah. part of the, the class. But people, for simple people, which is more like kind of people that I'm trying to reach out to that are right. just, you don't know, okay, I have, a, I have an IRA and I've lost 50% with my broker. They can roll it over, a tax-free, roll it over, make 10 or 12% bonus with the new money, and get an income that they cannot live with, a 6.5 interest compounded. Wow. Yeah. And that kind of, this economy, that's a nice thing. But what's really nice is they never lose their principal. It's totally well, and I think insane. that's a good, I, I think that's a good, you know, a possible solution, again, for survival. Um, you know, I think right. they, they survive. Whether they'll build something, you know, really special for generations to come, whether they'll be able to do the charity work that they want to do, I mean, whether they'll be able to give two, three million dollars to their, to their favorite charity, you know, that, that requires, uh, you know, learning more. And so my, you know, what I have is not for everybody. It's for the people that really want to live in abundance, really want to be a true investor. Right. And, uh, and that's my message. 401ks just don't do that. They just don't make it. Right. And, the, you know, the people that are going to leave, make a difference and, and, you know, do something charitable and help people, which is right. really the way to be now. A lot of people now that I know that make a lot of money, that's the reason they're doing it is to help feed children or do something charitable. is isn't like, oh, I'm just going to make yeah. a lot of money so I can have a diamond ring. You know, <laughs> being more humanitarian now, which is really a overall a beautiful thing but no, it is not wonderful that cut, it is wonderful it's because there's there's almost two things happening the good is getting gooder and the bad is getting better <laughs> you know <laughs> great separation or whatever you call it but the neat thing about it is you know to recreate yourself which is really what i look at midlife is that's your second life you can recreate yourself yes. and use what your talent to become an entrepreneur and do something because that you really can't make that mega bucks unless you do what you're talking about and educate and well, learn this new way to go. You know, the, it, it begins with what you said. If they can have a passive income greater than their expenses, that takes yeah. the, uh, the, the upset stomach away. That gives you the room right. to breathe. If you can get to a point where you say, here are my expenses, I have a passive income that surpasses that, that's your first day of financial freedom. You're not rich, but you're financially free. And, and that's a huge, huge blessing to, to yeah. strive for. And like you say, after you've established that, boy, you know, you can go out and do some fun things. You know, you can really start to, you have the time, 
and I think, you know, I think our years are getting better. Um, you know, I look at my folks, you know, my dad's 75, and I think if we hopped in the pool, he'd beat me in a, in a swimming contest. You know, he's in great shape. And we want to be able to have the financial resources to live into our 90s because that's where a lot of us are headed. Oh, absolutely. My, my dad's 93. He worked till he was 91. Oh, my word. I'm telling you. And he wouldn't have stopped working, but he had a bad knee and fell and broke his femur bone. And so that changed his life. And then this is, a, this is the other thing that people don't talk about. He was always in denial of, you know, I'm never going to a nursing home. Well, Dad, how are you going to, you know, take care of yourself? It's not my parents didn't want their kids to take care of them. They didn't get right. long-term care insurance. And that whacked it. My mom had it. She spent, get ready for this, 15000 a month for her full-time care. And she had, she had cancer for 10 years and it's just these are things that you, you know they're they're not talked about, and I know people don't like me because I'm talking bringing up these hard subjects. But I like to change them and change the mindset and make it fun. Fun on if you plan ahead, you won't have to go through those bumps. You'll have it already set up. But my parents it'd really be nice. It'd be nice to be able to leave something for your kids and not have health care eat up all your assets right. and leave leave the right. next generation without anything. Exactly. And that, you know, the long-term care is seven out of ten people over 65 end up in a nursing home. And they have a rule in the hospital called the DRG rule, which is to get you out of there as soon as possible. So they'll move me. If I go skiing and break my leg, I'm going to a nursing home. Well, It's not an age-related thing anymore. Well, and there's so much uncertainty in health care right now anyway. um, Oh, boy. Our legislation is... Yeah. Very much up in the air. Um, yeah. yeah, never been a more important time, in my opinion. And I guess, I don't know, Chris, everyone sees the time in which they live as exceptional. But I think the truth of it is, don't you think we live in, a, in an exceptional time in, in history where this particular topic we've been discussing of financial education, learning, and caring, and taking responsibility, it's, it's, I don't know if it's ever been more important than it is today. I really don't. Honestly, I totally agree with you. I think we're at the pivotal point on our planet that all the religions have written about. It's been prophesized, you know, in many religions for the times we're living in. That's what I think is happening. And I think there's, there's, there's a separation going on right now. There's people that really want to do good, and there's other people that are just being greedy and selfish, and, and, and people are kind of make choosing sides. Uh, and where their heart's at, and the potential, the uh, unlimited growth that's po- that's there for the people that really want to do good, there's no limits. You know, you don't have to settle for less. You can be, uh, live in abundance. And, it and, really is and true. You, it isn't it, and you change your mindset. All of a sudden, those other things start coming to you, and you meet the person that sets you up with just what you need for the for the next thing. Well, here's what's exciting. There. What, what's exciting for me is, is I, I've spent, you know, really a lot of time. My major focus and study right now is on sovereign debt. Uh, Italy, Greece, Spain, especially in Europe. I was yeah. just in Japan recently. They're in all kinds of trouble. Um, I went over to, to Rome to visit uh, about, about two months ago. And, uh, and I've really tried to get my boots on the ground and understand our sovereign situation. And what the irony of it is for people listening is this is not doom and gloom. You say, well, I'm saying all these bad news. This actually creates a massive opportunity. 
it doesn't really matter what the news is. It matters how you're positioned. Uh, if oil goes to $150 a barrel, that's awesome. If the dollar uh, drops, which it's likely to hyperinflate, it's, or we're likely to have hyperinflation and have uh, the dollar drop because we're fighting depression by pushing ourselves into hyperinflation by printing this money. Well, right. you think about it. You know, I love having debt in real estate right now because as the dollar loses value, that debt that I have doesn't move. Uh, imagine, imagine if you would have gone into debt for an income-producing asset like a, a house, not very, just one, and you bought it 30 years ago. You know, what would that mortgage look like even if you refinanced it again 10 years into it? The, the dollar is devalued so far that actually debt positioned properly can actually make someone rich, and a lot of people don't realize that. And so as I look at how I position myself, if these cataclysmic things come to pass, which I think the euro's in, in serious trouble, I think right. the U.S. dollars, is, if you position yourself properly, it actually turns out to be uh, something that can make you very, very rich. Exactly, exactly. And a lot of people did really well. A lot of people, I mean, a lot, what's that? But there's a lot of people did well in the Depression. They knew how to position. You bet. And and didn't get, you know, they went, went, went another way. So what, what do you, I'd like to hear your take on this. What is the difference between the depression and now? I know my opinion, but I'd like to hear yours. I, I think, I think there's a way to keep the masses from freaking out. I would, uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's just, it's a, it's a, it's a, um, a media thing. I think we're in a depression. I think we're in a very dangerous situation right now that we've loaned all of our everything out to China and what they're doing printing this money like you're saying it's insanity it's it's like we're not only run we're just running off the cliff not just walking we're running now <laughs> and when they tell you oh uh, the unemployment is only eight percent they're lying they're not including yeah, the guys on disability and the correct. guys stop looking for the work this is something like 28 percent when you add the real numbers and and it's just, I did, look, if you really want my real opinion, this is where I come from. I think they're fulfilling revelations. I think they're trying to destroy America, make a third world country. They've already got rid of the middle class, basically. You know, I kind of lived in a little middle class, upper middle class clients that were, these guys now are lower, lower class. They're not middle class anymore. They... It's so sad to see someone 70 or 80 and they go reach into their pension and half of it's gone. I have some clients that have turned to eating peanut butter and crackers. Seriously. It's really, what do you do? Go be a greeter at Walmart? What are these people <laughs> going to do? But it's really, it's really a lot worse than that. And I'm an optimist, by the way. <laughs> well, I'm a really positive person, but the facts are not good. Well, I can tell you this, in terms of 401ks, it's going to be very interesting to watch because there are many, many, many people who were hoping someday to have retirement, and that's not going to happen where they are. You know, I think it's important for people to understand the big difference between the Depression and what we're experiencing today is it, it, it all boils to me, at least down to the dollar. And uh, in the Depression, the dollar actually, you know, you have, you have a strengthening dollar which causes prices to go down where companies can't make any money and employ people. The problem with the depression wasn't the stock market, it was unemployment. 
sure the stock market crashed, but the unemployment was the problem. And what we're doing now, the Federal Reserve is trying to bump up unemployment by devaluing our currency. And it's very serious because if you picture someone in intensive care, you don't even know the details, but the fact they're in intensive care means things aren't good. And picture a defibrillator. You know, when someone having a heart attack, they die and they're trying to shock them. But that's not a good long-term therapy. And the fact that we're printing $85 billion a month right now, $85 billion a month tells me this economy is in intensive care. And the only thing that's stopping it from slipping into depression is the devaluation of our money, which began in, you know, which really began, you know, Federal Reserve, but but really took a huge step in 1971, where now we can print as much as we want to try to avoid depression. My opinion is, and I could be wrong, had we not had the ability to print all this money, uh, we'd be in the depression right now. We'd already be there. We'd, right. be, we'd, we'd be in right. huge problems. And, and how long, the, the only thing that keeps us from this depressive state is this massive printing of $85 billion a month, which there's just no end in sight with this. If they continue to do this, Chris, the balance sheet of Federal Reserve will be over $4 trillion. Uh, four years ago, it was $800 billion. So we talk about our deficit going from $10, 10 trillion to $16 trillion almost. It'll be 17 soon. But now we're having a Federal Reserve whose balance sheet has grown from $800 billion to by the end of 2013 will be $4 trillion can't deleverage that, can't keep that going. So to avoid depression, we are likely to ruin our currency. That's a serious charge, but there's, I'm not the only one I think is worried about that. It is, and I think that's exactly what's – I actually think that's being manipulated. I, I you know it's just my opinion, right? But I think it's being manipulated by the people that are manipulating the high-ups because, you know, this is this is really – you know, been planned for a long time, and, and this is not just some accident. This just happened, and 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 they're racing towards it. Do you know they already have the currency made for the for a global currency? Yeah, you know, there's a great book by my mentor Robert Kiyosaki. He wrote called Conspiracy of the Rich. Talks a little about the Grunge of Giants, and uh, I don't believe in Bigfoot. <laughs> I don't believe in alien abduction. I don't right. believe in Area 51 conspiracy theories. But I do know there are people like Bernie Madoff and there are people who, who right. will do crazy things for money. And I, I have to yeah. confess that, uh, that this stuff isn't by accident. And no. I just feel for the, for the guy, you know, working hard, just wants to, wants to have some abundance for his family in this great country, throwing money in this 401k. And this is, uh, you know, often not a conversation people can follow. And if you listen to stuff like this and you don't understand it, you know, if, if there's a listener and understand it, that's a clue. Keep listening. Keep listening to Chris. Keep reading her books. Keep showing up. Because if you keep showing up, you'll learn this stuff. And, uh, and I agree, Chris. Never been a more important time for people to get it. Absolutely. And, you know, when anybody has questions on these things, reach out to us. You know, Andy and I are both here. You know, this is the first time we've talked. And it's really been fun because, you know, we have a lot of things in common. And, yes. But it it you got to reach out. you got to ask questions. You can email both of us to ask us questions about these things, um, but to empower yourself so you can take control and, and know what's going on. Um, again, I want to invite everybody 
grab Andy's book, The 401 Chaos. It's really well put together, and you can get that at his site at 401kaos.com, and you can get a copy of that book and ask him any questions you need, and also encourage you guys to get my book, which is Ready for Pre-Tirement. And that's on my website, which is called Ready for Pre-Tirement. It's retirement with a P in front of it. Plan retirement early. <laughs> and it's really hard to get younger people. I know I really didn't get to like the 30s or 40s that I wasn't going to live forever in this body. You know, you live in a la-la land, like, you know, unless somebody you know dies. It really, reality is is funny. So... Um, these are things that everybody's got to be aware of. And, and Andy, is there any, like, cherry on the top you'd like to share with everybody about a lot of good things we've been talking about? Oh, I, I think we've had a great conversation. Uh, I think in ways we've just scratched the surface. And, uh, again, my invitation is uh, just anyone that really wants to learn. If, uh, if they don't feel alarmed, I don't think you and I are going to change that. But if they do and they'd like some answers and they'd like to learn and they'd like to do something big, uh, those are the people I like to work with. I love people that want to do something big and, uh, yeah. and want to say, hey, I want to be an investor, and I really want to learn how to become very, 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 very wealthy. I want to make it big. And those are the people I love to work with the most. Great. Well, that's great. And anybody that, that like I said, that has any questions, feel free to call us. You've been listening to Ready, Set, Retire and it's in the state of mind. So you can actually be retired while you're working. How about that? <laughs> you know, you don't have to worry. You can actually enjoy if you do what your your passion is, and, and that's what we talk a lot about, then you'll actually enjoy your life before you retire. And um, like my dad, I'll probably never retire because I enjoy what I do. So, Andy, this has been really great. Um, i definitely going to have you back. There's so many things that we could talk about here. So, um, again, thank you so much for, for being a guest. Well, it's just refreshing. I, I love these conversations because uh, you, you get lonely. <laughs> Most people worry about what Lindsay Lohan's parole status is. You know, that's their big agenda. But it's, it's wonderfully refreshing to have a, a, a good conversation about uh, some things like fiscal policy and monetary policy and retirement, all things money. Uh, with uh, with people in their know. So I appreciate what I've learned, and uh, thanks again, uh, Chris, for having me on. Thank you, Andy. We'll look forward to talking to you again. You have a okay. wonderful day. All right. You bet. All right. Bye-bye.